Hello, and welcome back to CryptoSapiens. I'm your host, Hamti Calderon. And today we're talking to Vikram, co-founder and CEO of Dowlands. So before we get started, I just wanted to share something I've been thinking a lot about recently, and that is the onboarding journey of new members into DAOs. And for many DAOs, that includes buying a token, finding and joining a private server on Discord, navigating channels that may or may not be relevant to you, talking to strangers, and hoping to find a way to contribute in ways that are meaningful to you and valuable to the DAO. Vikram and I talk a lot about this at length. He says, we need to create welcoming journeys to set up new members for success. And he adds, DAOs can create composable experiences, adding reputation that members can earn to unlock new experiences. We go on to talk about building a protocol on which DAOs could create these experiences so contributors could build their own journeys. I think this is a fantastic idea, and I'm not the only one. I recently heard of a DAO who launched their own app to create a unified experience for their members. The next step would be to create these experiences on a base protocol so they are accessible and interoperable across other organizations. As usual, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's get started. Without further ado, I'm really excited to have Vikram today on Crypto Sapiens. Vikram, why don't you just start by giving us an introduction? Who are you and really, how did you learn about crypto? Absolutely. Hamdi, thanks for having me here first and let's get straight into it. Uh, I am the co-founder and the CEO of Dowlands. Uh, what Dowlands does, we can probably talk about it a little later, but let's start with my background. It goes all the way back to 2015 uh, when I first discovered Bitcoin. One mistake after the other, I think for the first five years, all I did was making mistakes. And when I say making mistakes, that was investing in the wrong things probably picking up on some really, really, really interesting stuff and not realizing how it would unfold. Uh, I dismissed DAOs as an idea in 2017. Uh, and today I'm building for DAOs, who would have thought. I dismissed Polygon as a company back in 2018 saying, hey, it's coming out of India. I don't think a company coming out of India in unfriendly regulations is going to go anywhere. And so on, right? Like, so there were so many mistakes that in 2020, I professionally joined Merkle Science as the AVP of product. And Merkle Science, for everybody's context, is like this company that goes after crypto uh, sort of monitoring, which is to say that tracking and from a compliance perspective, are you really doing any illicit use? Are you a rug puller? Or let's say you steal funds. Where are you really bouncing off the funds? Are you trying to like launder money and whatnot? So we worked with some of the best intelligence wings, FBI's, whatnot, right? Like banks, exchanges, everyone getting into a room. Uh, and we built quite a few products at Merkle Science. But when I was professionally back into the sector, a couple of things led to me exploring DAOs in a very different light back in 2017. And I always go in and say this out. The narrative was that, hey, DAOs are probably gonna just be about, you know, replacing governments. And in 2020, suddenly there was this change in focus. It was like, okay, let's not be too idealistic. Let's figure out a way of like sustaining this through. There were people who were really trying to build products. And that was where I was like, okay, this has been a massive shift out of every effort that is being put into crypto. I think the end state of every community in an ideal way 
will be a DAO. Maybe the definition of what a DAO is will change. You will have a different element of decentralization, a different element of autonomy, right? Like autonomy in there and being autonomous and for that matter, a different uh, structure to that or how you call yourself an organization. But it was there where we got started. And to be very honest, like this was not long back, two years back when I was getting started with DAOs, we would run into weird, weird, weird descriptions. It was like, hey, we are trying to do scalability as public, public global utility. And I don't know what that sentence means after having been in crypto since 2015. And when I say having been in crypto, I mean, I really have been in crypto. I've been building things, exploring smart contracts, talking to developers, following projects, investing money, burning money, making profits, whatnot. So in the process, right, like we were like, okay, it's becoming so complex. You go to a website, you go to a community call, you scroll through endless chats in Discord, you you do whatever you have to, and then you have some vague idea of what a DAO is. And that's me who's been in space for a while. So for somebody who's probably trying to start out today as a beginner, it's it's even tough. Like it's, it's way more tougher, right? Like, and how would you really go about doing that so the goal when Darlin started was like we would simply make it easy for a five-year-old to consume information. And we were answering three simple questions. The questions were, what is the DAO? How do you join it? And how do you start earning here? Right? Like, and as we were answering these questions, we ended up with a repository of these DAOs that we were trying to document in terms of answering in, in an attempt of answering these three questions. And that is where we ran into a plethora of other problems. That was where light bulbs were going, oh my God, this is broken. Oh my God, that is broken, right? Like, so we see four problem areas. One is discovery, the whole bucket in terms of, okay, I'm Humpty, I like music, where do I vibe, right? Like, so that problem. Then the second is, okay, I have discovered this place where I think I belong. How do I get started, right? Like, so that's the idea of activation and onboarding. The third is, okay, now I'm onboarded, but I want to be successful. If I am doing two gigs, I want to do three gigs. If I am doing two skills, I want to do three skills. And then the fourth idea is like, okay, everything is working nicely, but how do we streamline the operations, right? On the same lens, what we also realized was, hey, look at any Web2 company. You're using something for email marketing. You're using something for salary disbursement. There is an HR who goes, welcomes a newcomer, right? Like in a decentralized community, who's really even doing that? And we're like, okay, somebody is going to do all of these use cases. So that is what Darlins does, right? Like Darlins today is a suite of tools aimed at solving these different problem statements. And the way we go about doing it is that if you are having a community or if you are just thinking of starting one, wherever, whichever stage you are in, we really don't make it about a pitch. We just sit with you and talk to you through, hey, what are you really trying to do? Why are you trying to do that? In most of the cases, the answer is that we don't have a product for what you really need. And then we set a team to work exclusively for you to modify the existing products. But there are a whole host of products that we have developed this way, which are now like just applicable or like usable by other communities in a plug and play fashion. So we do something around end-to-end community management. We do something around onboarding and activating people. We do something around grant management. We do something around DeFi education. We are doing treasury management. In fact, one of the latest launches, which we had two weeks back, is a tool that replaces almost eight other tools that you will have to use if you're trying to run a DAO. And when I say a DAO, we understand that DAOs are fluid. So it applies also to a PFP community. It also applies to a gaming community. It also applies to a creator who's trying to have a token and like build a Web3 following and whatnot. 
So that's downlines for you. Uh, of course, like I'm the co-founder and the CEO. So I take care of a lot of stuff pretty much that nobody else is willing to take care of. But uh, that's downlines. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you giving us such a comprehensive introduction. We went beyond just introducing you, which I think I want to go back and touch on a couple of things you talked about. But you also introduced Dow Lens and you introduced some of the problem statements too, right? In terms of like Dow is today. So there's a lot to unpack here. Let's rewind though, just a little bit. You talked about some of the work that you did before coming into crypto and you talked about compliance. Just briefly on a high level, Talk to me a little bit about what you think are some of the things that we should be considering in terms of DAOs and regulation. Because I think initially you framed it from the uh, looking at Polygon in India, where maybe it wasn't the most uh, welcoming environment, right, for a crypto company. In the U.S., where I'm located, we can say that there's probably a similar dilemma right now where we're, there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to regulation. So... Briefly, give me your thoughts, right, in terms of how you think organizations and builders and founders need to think about compliance uh, when it comes to uh, DAOs. Interestingly, Hamti, today also happens to be the day when two interesting news pieces have come out. Uh, one of them is that the World Economic Forum has, for the first time, produced a guide on how you should be thinking about DAOs. And the second is that CoinDesk published an article where they're talking about the European Union considering frameworks on DAOs. And I couldn't think of like a better day to talk really about regulation from a standpoint of a DAO. But I want to clarify two things, right? Like when I mentioned Merkle Science, Merkle Science taking care of compliance is more from the lens of, hey, you have a token. You want to make sure that that token is not handing, like ending up in the wrong hands. And there is a whole lot of processes that you have to follow there. There is a whole lot of tracking that you have to do, right? Like now DAOs, they will have to deal with this problem, but that's still maybe a few years down the line. Today, the basic problem is if I'm trying to start a DAO and I'm going to say that everyone in the world is probably trying to figure it out as if they were just starting out as far as the legal aspects go, is like, how do I even structure my org? Right. Like, so everyone, every effort that has been made, at least from a software and from a company and from a economical, social, social perspective has been about how do you really get people to collaborate and interact with each other? Right. Like, but on the other end, the legal aspects, right. Like defining how people are governed in a DAO is just one part of the equation. The other equation is how is that DAO even structured? If something goes wrong, who is liable? Are you supposed to be a C-Corp? Can you even be a C-Corp, right? Like you're supposed to have a wallet, but are banks really open to it? And if you are supposed to be an LLC, most of the DAOs that we know are more than 100 members, right? Like, so what's really the right way to go about it? And I think it was just maybe two to three days before Christmas that Marshall Islands passed a law saying that we are identifying DAOs um, and like as an LLC, it's it's a completely legal, fully understood way and they're like spearheading the efforts around how people who are thinking of launching DAOs, but that's still just the bare minimum, right? Like unless we are really talking about what happens when things go wrong, because things will go wrong, we'll probably not be able to uh, ever get into the spot where people are confident and like fear-free or fearless 
in terms of just going about and pursuing their efforts truly towards the reason the DAO exists, right? Like you have a group of people mm-hmm. who gather to make something happen, but you are intentionally, every DAO I know of has this question buried somewhere down in their community because they, they just don't know what the right answer to that is. So that is primarily the biggest step that needs to be done. And there are documents that are being floated around. I'm a part of a few communities where there are some of the best experts who are head of legal at crypto firms, head of legal in the governments in the United States. And like, they're also bringing in people from advanced, uh, like advanced in terms of timeline, as far as crypto adoption goes, like places like Singapore, people who have been able to like come up with some frameworks to come and like come up with regulations and guidelines around how to go about DAOs. But there have been enough examples, right? Like Uki DAO was pretty much in the highlight uh, last year towards the end where the government went and sued them and they sued them through the digital chat in the forum. And A16Z and everyone came up and said, hey, this is not really the right way to go about it. But but point being that like nobody and today, uh, I think today or yesterday, Uki DAO probably just skipped the hearing, which which makes me sort of sad. Uh, given that that's pretty much not the response. You're pretty much just trying to run away from the problem, maybe. Or maybe they have a better defense in mind, which is why they didn't show up. And I hope it's the latter, because if it's the former, it's just detrimental to the whole case of, hey, DAOs are not something shady. There is a way to work it out. So I think the conversation is now finally happening about identifying the good aspects of a DAO and like coming towards constructive solutions as opposed to just saying, you know what, we don't recognize this group. It looks like something that's out of the control and can never be managed. Let's just not talk about it. So I think that is pretty much all that I have to add as far as regulation and like the need of the Argos. Yeah, that's, thank you for that. I mean, that's a wonderful perspective. And I'm always really curious to kind of learn from other people who have, uh, you know, skills and experience and expertise, probably best said in terms of certain areas that uh, affect the ecosystem and maybe just based on previous work. Let's go back to Dowlands. Um, So you introduced some of the things that uh, Dowlands currently does, or at least the problem statement. Describe to me the typical customer. Uh, who is currently using Dowlands? What are some of the things that you're seeing some of these um, teams or organizations using Dowlands for? Yeah, uh, a typical customer would be a Web3 community. And my touch point in that Web3 community would probably be the community admin or the core team that has been end tasked with the idea of like handling operations or managing operations. So of course, they are not the solo decision maker but they have relatively a higher influence or some power or some delegation in place to like get things in motion, right? Like that's that's a typical profile that we go after. Now, when I say Web3 communities, I want to clarify that, of course, it includes DAOs and of course it includes protocols, but it also goes all the way to places where you are just a gaming guild. You are just an NFT community. You are maybe just a creator who has a token and uh, following on Discord or some whatever social media that you are using respectively, right? Like, so that's us. Now, the way these communities are using us has evolved as we have added more and more tools. But one of the most phenomenal use cases or at least one of the most impactful things that we think as a organization we have delivered out there is the DAO manager. And the name pretty much just goes and talks about what the tool may be doing, but think of it this way, right? Like, Humpty, today the discussion happens in Discord 
right? Like this, we are just talking about one person in one community. Now, mm-hmm. I message something saying, hey, you know what? Let's do a summit in Paris. And then three people react to it with a thumbs up emoji. Then I'm like, okay, looks like three people are agreeing to it. Why don't I take it to the community forum and discuss it? So I go to discourse. I post it. Now 10 people start pouring in comments, more community, more views, likes, dislikes, upwards, downwards, everything starts happening, right? Like, so I I get a sense that, okay, maybe we can convince the community because it looks like 10%, 20% of the people are really saying positive things. So let's draft a proposal. Now that proposal happens on a tool like Snapshot. And this is more or less how every DAO is operating. Whether you're small, big, you're maybe not using Snapshot. If you're in Solana, you are using something like Realms. It's, it's fine, right? Like you're, you, but, but you, you get the idea. You are using a pamphlet of it. Now you're doing a vote. That vote happens. People are coming, commenting, positive, negative. That vote passes or it gets squashed. Let's say it passes. If it passes, then comes the idea. Okay. Humpty applied for a $10,000 grant for getting this thing done. You are given that $10,000 grant, but now you have to really deliver on it. Mm-hmm. So if you have to deliver, you're creating tasks. You're creating, you're assigning those tasks. You're reviewing those tasks. Everything is happening on a Trello board or a platform like Dwork, right? Like now once that is done, if I submitted a task and you really approved it, you're going to pay me. That payment is going to happen on a tool like Gnosis Safe or Coordinate. And then finally, because I really did a task and got paid, my reputation is going to go up. So you see, we talked about Discord, Discourse, Snapshot, Dwork, Gnosis, and then we talked about reputation, whatever tool you may be using for that. But essentially, this is like seven tools just for one community. And no one that I know of is really just a part of one community in Web3. Everyone is like at least in two or three communities. So you're dealing with 20, 21 instances of a tool. And on top comes this whole idea that when you came into the community, you probably don't even know what you're supposed to do. You are, for all its worth, somebody who's interested in legal aspects. And you have landed yourself into a DAO that is a music DAO. And you are just wondering, hey... Do I have some space for me here to contribute, right? Like, so what Dowlins essentially does is that it brings everything that you saw from Discord, Discord, Snapshot, all the way to your reputation in one platform. That doesn't mean you can't use Gnosis. If you are using Gnosis, go ahead, use Gnosis. We will integrate it in a way that if you do something there, it, it reflects here. But the idea that the task needs to coexist with the original discussion so that there is no back and forth, no loss of context. And the payout needs to happen in an automated fashion. There needs to be a smart contract that's like really not having manual dependencies. You need to have the reputation. And then if I'm a part of three communities, I should be able to look at tasks that is important for me across all three, right? Like, so when we go to these DAOs, we usually go in and say, hey, you know what? We can make this life easy. And on the DAOs end or on the admins end, they also have like a lot of aspects that are taken care of. Because if you have like 10 supports, you want to know what are all the projects that are going on across the DAO, right? Like, so it provides the admins, the visibility, it makes the creators or the contributors in the DAO have a lot of access and ease. And that's how we usually go about deploying. Now, one of the things which we also do is like, hey, you're a newcomer. Let me hold your hand in a way that I can activate you. And activation can be defined by different DAOs in different ways, but we call it at least like you doing two meaningful tasks or one meaningful task in a certain defined time period. Right. Like, so if you're a designer and if you're a content writer, the welcome journey needs to be very different. I need to set you up for success. I need to tell you what you're supposed to do. And then now we have lately started working with this group called DAOSTAR and a whole lot of reputable folks at places like Gitcoin 
and whatnot to do something around grant management. So let's say today we go and then say Crypto Sapiens is launching a grant program. You know that tomorrow there are going to be a hundred people who are just going to fill in applications and you're going to have to review them. Now, as an applicant, if I'm applying to the grant program, I'm going to have a lot of difficulty figuring out what is Humpty really going to like or what is he going to ask, what is acceptable, right? Like how, how can you help me improvise? Or maybe you want to define a grant program where you, you want to tweak certain things. You want to go in and say, I don't want to pay Vikram upfront. I want to pay Vikram only on milestones that he has achieved, right? Like, so all of these flexibilities where developers can build their own versions of grants across the ecosystems, across the protocols is something which we are working on now. We worked with Aave for something around DeFi and education of newcomers and so on. So we are basically a suite of tools. We keep on adding a lot of functionalities uh, and different tools to like handle these use cases. And the DAO manager that I just very comprehensively talked about, it's not like we started with this tool. We did discourse replacement, then we did payout replacement, then we realized, okay, we can probably connect it with the voting because the community needed help on that front. And then just a while back, we were talking to a community and they came and said, hey, we know courses. Like, so I want my creators to have courses. They should be able to do quizzes. There should be an examination. And based on that, they should get an NFT that should affect their reputation. And as they are getting more reputation, I want them to unlock exclusive things. So imagine like you are the best shooter in this game community. So you, if you have the maximum kills, you are having exclusive perks. You are having the maximum discounts. You are having access to certain merchandise and whatnot. So basically gating things based on reputation and all of those things. So those are subsequent additions that have happened. Uh, but we work with DAOs. We work with pretty much any Web3 community to handle their operations, to handle their end-to-end -end management. And we give them these tools. And of course, like our services as well. So we have this service arm called Kutumb. And that's sort of structured as a DAO. The Kutumb team sits with you to like brainstorm in terms of how do you go about deploying it? Hey, do you need help in building something new and so on? So from what you've just described, to me, reminds, at least for me, it reminds me of something that is always in the back of my mind. There's a word that I use a lot, and um, I, I think I use it because I think it's actually quite important to the space that we're building. And I use ecosystem a lot. I think as a Web3 ecosystem, there are opportunities present to us that may not be so readily available to uh, traditional organizations, to traditional tooling and software. And that is composability. There's an ability to kind of build out an experience for someone throughout their journey, right? And you, you, you talked about uh, being able to provide someone a, a good welcoming journey. Um, I think that journey has a starting point, uh, probably has an end point, right? Um, should have an end point so that we can then structure uh, an experience for someone to be able to very easily find uh, their way, right? Uh, there is reputation, to your point, throughout that journey that uh, allows them to uh, verify and attest to certain activities that they've done. It sounds to me that um, that your product, the Dow Lens, is kind of the box in which people can play. And then there's all of these different endpoints that are coming into Dow Lens that allows for a composable experience using maybe something that Dow Lens created themselves or tools outside of it, like you were talking about Snapshot. Talk to me a little bit about that composability and the way that Dow Lens sees it. Absolutely. And this is a topic that's very close to my heart. Uh, 
In the Web3 world, we use the word composability. In the Web2 world, or at least in the VC world, there was this term that was trending a lot uh, over the last few years. It was this idea of infrastructure, right? Like, And I see the two of them as having massive overlaps, except that infrastructural plays are exponentially more impactful if you are doing it in a Web3 setup where there is a token at play. Now, let me dive deeper into the specifics to make it a little clearer. See, when I say infrastructure, right, like let's pick a Web2 company for that matter. Twilio, right? Like Twilio is a very well-established company. Uh, now, Twilio built something in 2010, 2011, around that period. And they built an infrastructure. Now, some developers somewhere thought, oh, this is so easy for me to build on top of because they have provided a basic building block. So we are going to build Venmo on top of it, right? Like, and Venmo was built on top of Twilio. But interestingly, everyone who's using Venmo now has to by default use Twilio, right? Like, and that is what the infrastructure plays that you are building these use cases where somebody else can come up and build their own thing tomorrow. And that's indirectly going to flow, like give you some revenue or a part of their revenue, which is what VCs love. They're like, oh, wow, infrastructure pay, which, and most of the founders, they don't really appreciate the beauty of infrastructure because it's often seen as a very different way. Like I have, I've seen this term being loosely used or misused to that extent here and there. But in Web3, when, so when we started Dowlins, we were like, okay, we at least want to have infrastructural use cases, not because we want the revenue to flow in. If that happens, great. But also because we are so early in the space that if I go ahead and say in a very rigid way that this is what you're supposed to do, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably going to be wrong on the tool that I'm going to be building even after two years because we are like 1995 if the worldwide web cycle goes, right? Like I'm trying to, uh, like everything looks like it's so easy to say, hey, you're building a social media feed. Let's Let's put a like button. But imagine yourself in 2004 when you were trying to come up with a social media feed. It was incredibly tough coming up with like, oh, it needs to be a feed. It needs to be a like button, right? Like Facebook cracked it. 50 other companies failed while doing it. So what I'm essentially coming to is that in Web3, you have this ability of forking, right? Like you can just go on and copy everything because it's all available on the blockchain. It's publicly visible. You can go on and fork if you disagree with it. That's the beauty of decentralization. 10 people who agree to it can go in and say, hey, we're going to fork this and we're going to tweak it. And this is going to be publicly available and stored on the blockchain so that everyone can see what the fork is, right? Like, and we have seen so many projects happen on that way. And I think when infrastructural plays actually start creating the base layer using composability, the power is like insane because now the base layer itself can be redesigned whenever you want, or you can just copy paste the base layer if you're not really concerned about it. So from a traditional world point of view, maybe the revenue flow mechanism is lost given that there is composable and I can totally have a parallel chain, but the use cases or the brilliance of the output has just gone many times higher. And this is something which only people who have a development background naturally get. For the rest of the folks, it takes a little bit of a time to interpret, oh, what's really happening with this composability. But I am probably the most bullish. And as far as Dowlins goes, our goal is that, hey, we are probably building these building blocks. But if tomorrow a DAO comes and wants to build their own onboarding flow mm -hmm. using these Lego blocks that we have created, they want to create their own organizational endpoint. They want to create 
like for example, even with the work that we are doing doing with Gitcoin, uh, it's a collaborative effort. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be because we are very early days. Bitcoin is a massive org. But the end goal is that we want to build a protocol. And we're probably not going to charge any developer who wants to use that protocol to compose their own grant program. We just want to be there to construct that so that the world can know that, oh, Darlin's probably contributed 1% to the grant protocol that exists there in the world, right? Like, so that's been a topic that's very close to my heart, to everybody's heart, in fact, here at Darlin's. And we're just working with that in mind. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I, I really like this idea of like build your own journey, right? And I think that's kind of what you were describing with Gitcoin and maybe the possibility with a lot of other different projects and protocols that you collaborate with, where you have a base set of tools and you have a uh, maybe a, a couple of uh, kind of starter journeys for someone, if you will, like templates, and then they can co-develop or even uh, independently develop their own journeys in ways that are uh, important and uh, valuable to their communities. Tell me, you know, you, you used this word earlier, this term, which I really like, and, I, and I, I really want to be a little bit more conscious myself of how I look at some of the either projects I, I interact with or even projects that I'm building myself. You talked about building things in a way that a five-year-old can understand. Give me... Yeah. Uh, your thoughts in terms of Dowlands and maybe even some of the existing collaborations that you have in a way that is what makes sense to someone who has no knowledge. Like, how could they get started in their DAO journey using Dowlands today? Absolutely. So let's pick any random DAO in the world. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just going to pick BitDAO or let's say I go pick Nouns DAO. Okay. Now, if you go to Nouns as a website, they talk about a lot of technical stuff. They are like one pixel, one nouns every day, minted from now forever, right? Like, and then there are these different communities of nouns. So when you go there, you're like, oh my God, I am probably missing out on something. And that's happening because of so many triggers that you are getting, right? Like there is this price of one nouns with 34 ETH. You're immediately like, oh, probably not in my reach, right? Like, or you're like too expensive. On the other end, you are seeing like 30 non-projects. So you're like, how did these projects get started? You're trying to dive deeper into it. There are these pixel elements that are appearing. You don't have any clarity. You go to their Discord. Now, in case of nouns, they stopped using Discord. So probably the chat is dead from the month of November. You go to their forums. You start posting something. Nobody really engages with you because you are an outsider, right? Like, And stuff like this keeps happening, which will just demotivate you. But... What I mean by Dowlands coming in and helping somebody get started, of course, we can't give you the 34 ETH that you need to get started with. But for any other community, what we come and do is like we go in and say, hey, you know what? In simple language, what Nouns is trying to do is they're going to give you an NFT that's going to be your ticket to being a part of the community. And in return of getting the ticket, you paid certain funds. Those funds are sitting in the treasury. And then Nouns members are just going to come and say, I want to use a part of this fund to do X, Y, Z. And people vote on it and they decide whether it should be done or not. Now you can go do whatever. You can go publish a video. You can go publish a music album. You can go publish an art piece. You can go create a product, right? Like you have the full freedom. And all of those channels that you see, they are just different groups of people or different chapters that have happened, right? Like that's it. Now, if you just put it out in a very simple way, there is immediately this sense of understanding because otherwise you run into terms like smart contract, private key, decentralized setup, right? Like MetaMask. So many people don't even know what a MetaMask wallet is, let alone the private key. It's like 
I was just explaining it to someone else. Like when you are swiping your card at a kiosk or a card machine, there is probably a zillion things that's happening in the background. There's really happened. Like there, there are so many things that happen and I have done some research on it. But today, when you have to do like a transaction on blockchain, you have to enter your key, you have to enter your password and so on. We have, we are yet like so early that it's like all of those processes are right in front of our eyes, whereas they should be invisible, right? Like people should just be used to what they're used to because as human beings, who said that Web3 needs to have a complicated UX? Who said, right? Like, and I think like it has happened as a byproduct of some of the best Web3 folks working only with themselves or only amongst themselves, which is why most of the products that we ended up with in the first few years all have the same UX and all have done the same mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so now there is an effort being done to like, made to like sort of, hey, let's fix these things. Let's make it easy. Let's make it invisible. Uh, launching a DAO two years back was so complicated. Now launching a DAO is like a no-code tool with five clicks. And it's still like maybe a lot many clicks. It should mm -hmm. probably be one click or two click for you. So tons of small uh, pointers around that. And when, then when you get started, see, uh, I, I usually talk about it a lot, Humpty. Today in the Web3 world, essentially, I have gone into so many communities where there is a talk going on and somebody invites me and I'm like, hey, folks, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to speak here, but I'm Vikram. And then they stop and they say, oh, it's okay. Just go about introducing yourself, right? Like in a Web2 world, what happens? You walk into an office and HR comes, says, hi, Humpty, welcome. How are you? How was your cap journey? Right? Like here is the HR uh, team. Here is your product management team. Here is the developer. This is the office. This is the cafeteria. In a Web3 world, you're left on your own. You're like, oh, welcome to Discord scroll through till the end of the world. Now, now you are supposed to find out where you belong. It's like shaking hands with 2000 people on your floor and asking, Hey, I am good at XYZ. Do you have work for me? Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's, it's so bad. So like we are just trying to sort of bridge that gap so that somebody is not feeling that lost. Plus I think we have just seen like 0.01% of the people really move to Web3. Most of them are not coming in here yet. And the real possibilities or the beauties will emerge when most of the folks are here. Because that is when you will go in and say, I want this task done and somebody is actually going to get it done. Today, there are a lot of complaints that our DAOs being slow, unorganized, not reliable, right? Like you have a timeline, you will mostly miss a timeline if you're going the DAO route. But that's also because there are not those many contributors. We need to have more people who are really willing to do the hard work, get all those ideas about easy money, quick money, things that you start hearing in bull cycles out of the way, and maybe we would be on track. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and you know, again, like, there's two things you touched on here. One of them is, you know, UX, good UX. I think we could certainly dive into that, especially as you're building out a product that has an interface for people to join and participate. So we should definitely talk about that. The other thing though that you talked about that I really like, and I think that that's definitely something that is going to require a lot of work, but that's like one-click DAOs, right? Uh, and no-code tools that we can allow for the development of that. Let's start with the UX thing, because I, I completely agree. I think that one of the things that's missing to make uh, Web3 a lot more uh, approachable to people who may not necessarily be as geeked out, uh, you know, uh, about this ecosystem and has taken the time to kind of dive into it 
is the user experience. It's quite terrible. You know, especially let's start with just, you know, MetaMask alone. You know, setting one up, uh, learning what a seed phrase is, um, you know, knowing the good practices on how to keep your private keys safe, um, you know, what not to share, signing in uh, to different web apps, uh, you know, realizing that there could be uh, fake websites out there. Like that, that alone just makes a terrible uh, user experience. But beyond that, there's also applications themselves who don't have uh, good accessible uh, UX built into them. And let's not get into DAOs too much because that's just another layer of bad UX. Tell me kind of some of the thoughts that, you know, you over at DAOlens are having in terms of improving the user experience. And I know you covered some of it. Yeah, I think uh, one of the basic principles that we try to stick to here is don't over-engineer stuff. And what that means is it's an unpopular opinion, but what I ended up doing was like 60% or 70% of my team here is not people who have been natively from Web3. We did the hard work of educating them, right? Like they were very first principle thinkers. They were coming here and they were like, hey, okay, you are trying to build a end-to-end DAO management platform. Here is what I think it should include, right? Like, and it would at times lead to some sort of a wastage in terms of time and energy because we would talk about very trivial things. But then when you are really making a page live and you are like sign in, right? Like then they're like, oh my God, why do I have to go in and sign in via MetaMask? And if you have a Coinbase wallet in, in like uh, extension in, installed, you have to do two signups, right? Like how can we simplify it? And I think the goal or the discussion that we usually see is like, what are we really used to? We are used to something like WhatsApp. We are used to something like Instagram. We are used to something like Facebook. At the very least, you should probably be thinking of just making the experience so that the UI is recognizable. See, what we don't realize is when the UI is friendly, nobody is really counting the clicks. If every screen that you are on, it's absolutely clear what's going to happen on the next screen. And it's absolutely clear where you came from. Mm -hmm. You pretty much never worry about the clicks. Like if I I have a form, I have sometimes filled forms that are like 30 pages long, one after the other, just because I'm so engrossed in it. And that is partly because of the way it's been designed. I'm not really focusing on the clicks. I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. This one, of course, right? Like it's after maybe 10 minutes that I realize that, oh my God, it's 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 a long form, right? Like, so, so that way, that is what you need to really be thinking about. Number of clicks or minimizing number of clicks is not really the focus. The focus is on like establishing the right context and keeping the unnecessary things invisible, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, you you probably don't have to talk about your seed phrase every time MetaMask pops up, right? Like you should be able to give people, agree that MetaMask can be used to steal funds, but probably give them this idea. I am used to seeing my pass- password getting saved, right? Like every time mm-hmm. when I'm logging in through my Mac, can I have a similar experience where your MetaMask password is also being like just saved in a encrypted fashion or probably not in a way that it can be attacked. But so there are these changes that we need to go through. If you just go look at MetaMask and say, okay, the pop-up that comes from MetaMask is the pop-up that's going to come in. And so many times, every time you're trying to do a transaction, there is the sign via MetaMask thing that pops up. I bet if I go in and ask, 90% of the people don't know why they're signing via MetaMask, right? Like, but if you can just add this one explanation there saying, hey, this is what is being done here, right? Like, so I think we would be okay. 
of course because these things like secret keys and like or private keys and everything like going away it will take time because we are still in the early days but while we are here at least we should really not focus about i have seen products even mess up their experiences with just one click because in one click you are assuming me to be einstein to do everything and i may probably not be somebody who is familiar with everything i think what has helped me honestly is like my design background because i have a product in the design background i design tools for a long time my product head here is a designer person and the second thing is the fact that we got a lot of people from non web3 backgrounds we just make them sit and they're like vikram i can't understand what you're really saying right like we intentionally keep them out of a few discussions up until the very last minute and they were like do you make sense of it right like and i have been getting good feedback on it which is why our ui is very similar like i'm i'm not scared of saying that if facebook is something that everyone in the world is used to my product may look like facebook but it's at least going to be something that newcomers are going to be okay with. That reminds me of that um, quote, and I'm going to mess up this quote because I normally do. It, it's like, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal, right? It's like, if something works, don't break it, especially on the UX front. I think that's a, that's a valid response to trying to create something that is familiar. Uh, I know I myself, uh, you know, uh, try to think about the things that I built and try to create some familiarity into it. Because I think that if you start building something that just is so contrary to what people are used to, you're going to make it that much harder in terms of uh, adoption because it's just that much more of a learning curve that they need to go through in order to use it. So, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that uh, type of thinking. So as we round out the conversation here, first of all, is there anything we missed that you think that we should be talking about right now? Now, I think uh, we talked about all the right pointers, except that if you are really a beginner and you are just wondering, hey, how do I even get started? I think the idea is to just jump into a community. And I wish that we don't have to like say this forever and that there is an easier way. But if you really jump in, you are a fashion designer. I'm pretty sure I can find work for you. And if you are really having issues with that, reach out because Web3 has one brilliant thing in it. People are very like collaborative, they will probably respond back to you if you go in and ask it in the right way. Of course, you have to be like genuine in, in the way you are reaching out. And I think the goal is you just have to thrive with that ambiguity for maybe a day or two. You don't have to really know all the terminologies and so on. And you will mm -hmm. still be fine. Just like persist. You know that, okay, you are there to write content, show up in meetings. It will probably take you bouncing between three, four rooms because you will end up getting into the wrong room at times, but then they will tell you where to go and you will eventually find your tribe. If you do it once, you will probably be shouting about it all day because you have all the freedom in the world, right? Like you can work on your own terms and whatnot. So DAOs are brilliant that way. You should definitely try it out. And we are also doing an event, by the way, Humpty, uh, in, in parallel to ETH Denver, which is exclusively for folks who are into DAOs. So we are thinking of like getting 150, 200 folks who are exclusively into DAOs to sit with some of these partners that we have identified. Folks who did chapters like DAO NYC, DAO Tokyo, we are similarly going and doing a DAO Denver chapter as well. So if anyone here who's a listener happens to be at ETH Denver, you should probably check. DAO Denver is just that we are happening two days before the ETH Denver, so you'll probably have to be there before time. But yeah. Uh, That's wonderful. And thank you for that shout out, um, you know, because this is definitely going to get published before then, a long time before then. So for anybody who's listening and you're in the Denver area, uh, here in the United States, uh, definitely check out those events uh, that Vikram just uh, mentioned because 
they are a big piece of the onboarding experience, in my opinion. Uh, it was my first ETH Denver last year, and I had an incredible time. Uh, there was just such a, re- a warm reception from people that I had met virtually, uh, you know, uh, through DAOs and even people that I didn't know, but I had heard of. I made an introduction. People were just so genuine and honest and caring. So definitely check that out. Um, Last question that I normally ask my guests. And so if you've heard the podcast, you would have seen this coming. If not, that's okay. Uh, tell me what is one person or thing that has been hugely influential to, in your crypto journey? Could be a book, could be a blog, could be a, you know, a person just that, that's helped you along the way. What is that one person or thing that has been hugely influential to your crypto journey? Yeah, I, I think it would mostly date back to this idea of like, not living with regrets. And I think that in itself has dictated pretty much everything that I have done. So I think the quote comes from Jeff Bezos. He goes and says that, hey, in 10 years, if you're going to regret it, do it. You may be overthinking about it right now, right? Like he puts it out brilliantly. You should probably check it out. And I saw that way before. I think it was mentioned in one of the books and his interviews from long time, from 1995, and I was like a tech geek in my college days. But that core thesis stuck with me. So I remember putting the first five months of my salary straight forward into crypto. Because I was like, hey, if this is going to really become 500x, and not because people are saying it because I understood what Bitcoin is, and I think it's like way too undervalued right now, I'm probably just going to regret it for the rest of my life. So I am probably going to do what I feel is right. Like, and I've done it in a way where, of course, the cycle flipped in 2018, the market crashed, I lost quite a lot of money. But then there is the satisfaction of, okay, I did whatever I wanted to, right? Like, that is why I even started Dowlands. And I think that principle or that idea of, hey, if you will regret it in five years, do it, has been pretty much the reason why I go on trips now, why I like say no to a call too late at night. If, right, like there are tons of things where this is dictated my journey, most of all in crypto. And that's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Vikram and Dowlands, you can find them on Twitter at Vikram, spelled V-I-K-S underscore R-U-M and Dowlands, respectively. And please don't forget to give us a like and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And a five-star review. It really does go a long way to getting this content to more people like you. And if you'd like to listen to our full archive, you can go to cryptosapiens.xyz. Until next time, stay brainy.